Welcome to the RevOps Baddie, where I bring you face-to-face with the badasses of the industry and uncover their secrets to success. Each week, I'll be diving into the minds of top leaders and experts to uncover their ideas, advice, and lessons learned around sales, marketing, customer success, and how they all come together to drive revenue growth. If you're ready to level up your RevOps game, then this is the podcast for you. So grab your headphones, buckle up, and get ready to join us on a journey to discover what it takes to become a true RevOps baddie. Welcome back to another episode of the RevOps Baddie. On today's episode, we have AJ Olander, the CSO at Salelytics, and today we're talking all about the patient-centric revenue revolution. So AJ, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on the podcast. Why don't you give us a short summary of what you do and who you are? Uh, I'm the Chief Strategy Officer for Salelytics. I've been with the organization for, it'll be 18 years this summer, from the time that I started as a temp to hire. Wow. So it's been a, wa- been a wild journey. At the, at the highest level, Salelytics is providing outsourced sales, account management, and support services. Uh, we work in a variety of industries. The firm was founded Uh, Back in the late 80s, um, supporting consumer packaged goods partners, trying to take their products out to retail. It was a variation of what was going on in the broker space. Uh, From there, we advanced into healthcare. So we're supporting many medical device and pharmaceutical manufacturers. Uh, And then we have a broad range that we refer to as business to business or SMB clients. So these are some of the world's largest brands and logistics, travel and hospitality, building supplies, distribution. Uh, It's really a broad range. Um, We operate uh, throughout the U.S. We've got 1,500 employees. Uh, Used to be business centers prior to uh, the COVID uh, pandemic, but now they're predominantly remote. We still maintain a presence in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is headquarters and snowed today uh, to keep with the appeal. Uh, And then we have a large employee base also in Texas uh, and in Georgia um, is probably the most recent one. Uh, specifically to your question about the patient-centric experience, uh, it's, it's one of our most unique offerings in this outsource space. So if you're trying to categorize Celetics, you can loosely put us in the BPO category. Um, it's, it's a much more niche offering though, uh, where all of the partnerships that we have have a revenue generating Uh, core competency behind what we're doing. Maybe the easiest way to explain it is how we're helping our partners in this patient-centric space is a balance of supporting the education and advocacy journey for how a patient gets from questions about, do I qualify, all the way until they've solved for the health challenge. And that's relatively complicated. So uh, we have clients who are spending tons of money, millions of dollars on direct-to-consumer ad campaigns, uh, you know, the old school way, if you think about it, these are, uh, one of our operational directors always jokes about, um, you know, the Price is Right commercials where it's like, do you have these conditions? And if so, please contact your physician to see if you qualify. So that, that still exists and it's been out in the space, but they're getting far more creative with social outreach, you know, kind of broad mass media campaigns, trying to educate this is what their uh, medical devices do, the disease states that they solve for. 
and then they're sending them to a central place. Um, and where we plug in is we become the central place. So if it's a call to action of call this number to see if you qualify, to learn more, to do that, we hire the team, we staff the solution, we bring the technology, uh, and we plug in with our client partners to take that point of contact from the patient and walk them through the journey. In many cases, that ends in actually scheduling a date and time appointment directly with a physician that can actually perform the procedure um, and help them uh, solve for the condition. So it's it's very exciting. It's got a lot of complexity and parts to it, but uh, you know we love it. Yeah, and I think even though if you're listening right now and you're not in the healthcare space, there is a lot that you can learn from today's episode because I think there's a lot of relationships, even if it's like customer centric and really yep. understanding who your customer is. And it sounds like it's really paying attention to the upfront journey of what that patient is looking for so you can best give them what they need based on all of that due diligence in the beginning versus getting in front of someone and telling them everything that you offer and where that could fit in for them. Is that, does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um you know, it, it's it's got a lot of kind of mass applications. So while we've, you know, the patient part of this is near and dear to our heart, it certainly has a kind of plug and play across other verticals to centralize what's really a fragmented problem. So to share a bit more about kind of the prior state journey that I think people can connect to is the old way that this used to be done by some of our partners. There's a find a physician type scenario that they would either have on their website or make as part of the call to action. And it's a, it, it can be a poor experience all around, right? So if you're a patient and you call and you get a, a local office, there's a little bit of comfort that it's local, but do they have a full understanding of what it is? Maybe they're not getting as, men, as much exposure to it. They can't answer the questions as well. So the patient kind of gets the runaround. The physician who's trying to engage in the process to one, monetize for their practice and to help the community, you know, it can get a little bit jumbled if they're not qualified. And then there's a lot of kind of noise in the process. So it gets messy, figuring out a way to centralize it and then triage, qualify, you know, put put the right people in the right place at the right time has really done a lot kind of all around for both our clients or their provider and then definitely the patient experience. And how does this all fit into the broader context of revenue operations? I think it's really unique because there's so many stakeholders, right? So lots of times, maybe in my, my simple Midwestern mind, when I think about revenue operations, you're kind of all across the board. There's a lot of different stakeholders in the in the space. Uh, you need to have a broad understanding of how to interconnect everything. Um, and that's more or less the problem that's that, that these clients are coming with. There's a lot of people involved in this process, compounded with the fact that at kind of the top of it, they're spending a lot of money marketing money. And they're trying to figure out the way to navigate the journey to eventually start to monetize it, right? That these efforts need to pay off. We need to feel good about the money that we're spending in order to go drive the growth of the firm. And then it has the underlying layer of, you know, th there's humans involved, right? It's not just like selling widgets that have basic commodity. It's, it's people's lives, people's quality of lives. And uh, you gotta you gotta balance that in the equation too. So it's it's got a lot there. The fact that we can blend it all and then do technology along with the process and our talented people, I think, is where sort of the rev up sweet spot hits. 
pulling that all together in a way that's meaningful and then you can scale. Yeah, that was going to be my next question about scaling because it sounds like there is a lot of personalization uh, when working you know, this process. So how do you scale that and not sacrifice quality or m- revenue targets? Yeah, it's hard. The operating team for us, after we've onboarded the, the client partner and put this in place, one of the directors always talks about like leading with empathy. And I just sort of love that idea and mindset in this space. If you think about how I describe this process. So you can't be singularly focused on just the revenue component of it for sales. Well, at the end of the day, that's got to be there, right? Like if it's not generating the appropriate return, it's, it's not sustainable, but there's this whole human component to it as well. So there's a lot of time and energy put into how we're doing onboarding of the talent, how we're doing ongoing training, coaching, development, and mentoring of the resources and then giving them access in order to self-serve so that they can continue that journey of education, understanding, competency behind the offering that our clients have so that that can scale. If it goes real big, real quick, that's just sort of always a problem that has challenges. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to do it at a relatively uh, steady space uh, or, or clip with a lot of our partners Um, Because it is a newer concept that most people are figuring out, uh, specifically in this patient journey. And what kind of, what tools or techniques have you found to be most helpful to help scale this and and keep it going at a pace that you can still scale, but still see some value back or ROI of it? Yeah. So uh, one one unique element uh, that we feel proud of at Salelytics is that uh, we're blending Um, kind of best-in-class vended solutions. Um, So we work with major suppliers in the space like SalesLoft to do marketing automation. We've got a great partnership with ZoomInfo to do foundational data and and contact level enrichment. And then we have homegrown software and platforms. One of them, we've patented a super associate tool. It sits direct on the associate's desktop. Uh, It's providing them real-time scoring of keywords and phrases interconnected to the telephony platform. And we can kind of tie it all back into this whole process. You know, we have our own homegrown coaching platform that integrates into all of this for call quality, education, performance management, uh, mentoring process. And that balance, I think, has been really key. You know, I've come across other competitors and, and partners in the space where People kind of go down one path, they either buy everything that they're doing, or they build everything that they're doing. I don't know that anyone is right or wrong. I just think that we found a unique way to blend the two of them in a way that's uh, worked out really well for the benefit of our people, first and foremost. Like We want to make sure that they're comfortable doing the job, they have the tools, they can perform well. And then the obvious you know, runoff of that is that the clients who are paying us for the service and the function... Uh, are getting a better uh, end output. I love that you focused on the tools and techniques around sales enablement, sales training, and ongoing education. I think that can be overlooked a lot in this space because it's hard to qualify that. It's hard to find metrics around that and the success of it because, you know, it's like, 
did you have the material or know the answers? Uh, how do I measure that? So I love that you guys have that as a technique. Yeah, I mean, we're really proud of it. So um, we've got a tagline. I'm going to use it for shameless plug. We, we do people first, everything else will follow. So as we, as we rebranded the organization several years ago, maybe unfortunately before, before the pandemic, we kind of plastered things all over the wall in the brick and mortar space. But uh, it, it does feel a little more unique to us that the executive team is all very tenured. So my, my story is really not unique. You know, our president's been with the firm for 25 years. Most of the SVP and VP of the operating team have been there for 15 or more years. And everybody has really bought into this concept of, you know, if, if it's not clear and obvious, but it's for the support of the team and the people, like you need to default towards that if we're going to have a back down. So that, that's always been at the core. And I think why a lot of people stay here, right? There is a bit of a leap of faith into some of those elements. And sometimes it's tough to balance the financial implication of, of taking that leap, but we've consistently been able to do it. I love that. And I think that, I don't know if you're a Ted Lasso kind of TV watcher, but that's a very Ted Lasso response or approach where it's all about the people and the rest will follow. So uh, I love that. So in, in, in terms of metrics and KPIs that we can quantify, what are some of your recommendations for people who want to take this type of approach but are not sure what metrics and KPIs will help them understand the impact or the ROI? Where should they start? Yeah, great question. So we're a big advocate of trying to do both. So we'll lump them. We talk about it as like the behavioral-based metrics, where if you're thinking about the outsource or just the inside sales model, these are all very typical ones that I think people understand around the volume of activities, the length or duration, you know, for inbound average handle time, you know, speed to answer, service level metrics, they're all going to tie towards how this plays out. Absolutely. Those are just sort of table stakes this day and age. You need to be tracking them and, and understanding them. Much like our commentary around the people, it, we don't believe that it's an end all be all. Those are means towards an end. So as best as you can try and attach them to outcome metrics. So in our patient space, the outcome of this, which our associates and our leaders just sort of love, are actual patients that have been cared for in the treatment. In one of our examples, we uh, support a medical device company who has an implantable as an alternative to sleep apnea. So I, I don't know how many people are familiar with it. Obviously, it's, it's very common. My wife and I have personal friends who do it. And every time he kind of tells these stories where putting on his mask as he's getting ready for bed. I mean, it's a whole thing, right? So uh, anybody who's had exposure to it, you can appreciate, you know, the challenge that it puts in, into your daily life. So this client's got an implantable for it. Uh, you know, those patients who qualify, it's as simple as kind of a push of a button at the end of the day, and you're done with it. There's nothing to put on. You know, it's a beautiful solution. And where we're assisting them through this journey, it's literally counting the number of patients who have followed their way through the process, went to go see uh, an implanting physician, got the procedure done, supported afterwards through their journey. So it's very rewarding. And then the monetization for the client partner is that's where the money comes from, right? Like at the end of the day, the device needs to get somewhere in order to drive the product. So you got to balance them both and then line of sight into how you're supporting that. There's a lot, again, in the RevOps world, and then it can be complicated with, 
you know, a client partner and then us as an outsource provider supporting it. There's marketing and ad agencies on the front end of it. So you need a lot of diligence around how you tie those pieces together. But as best you can focus on the outcome and have that be your North Star and then tie it back into what's going on from a behavior-based standpoint with kind of the metrics that I described at the front. I mean, that, that's been key for us. What a cool thing as a metric. You get to see the people that you help. And yeah, okay, people make money, but also like lives are changed. And I think that's just so rewarding. Um, I can understand why you've been at that company for 18 years. It was like that you want to impact people. And that's such a great thing to do, you know, for work. So thank you for sharing that. Um, You said something interesting while you were wrapping up. You were talking about like, yeah, you have marketing and sales and customer success. And it's really important that they are all integrated and understand. Um, how does revenue operations contribute to getting those three areas aligned? It, it's tough, right? The smile in your face kind of tells me everything, right? Like you, it's a loaded <laughs> question and you appreciate it. One of my kind of default answers is it's a little bit like wrangling cats. There's just a lot of stakeholders in the process. Another reason why I've stayed here for so long is I think the size of the organization that we have today fits in a very special spot where like other mid-market firms, we certainly have a scheduled cadence behind how we're doing planning, forecasting, strategy sessions across the the broad portfolio of support groups that have to interact and touch to make this magic happen. But we also get the luxury of like, you can phone a friend, sort of at a whim and then start to iterate this process in real time, which is exciting. You know, the the problem has come up. There's resources that we need to interact with in order to start to get ahead of it. Uh, you don't have to, you know, wait until next Wednesday when a staff meeting occurs. You know, a quick Teams message, a quick phone call, quick video interaction, and the the leaders of all of the support groups can align relatively quickly. So it certainly has helped us for speed to market. It's a great working relationship, in my opinion, where you have the fluidity behind how those conversations occur to move. And then again, at at the end of this, like the beauty to the client partner is that they sort of reap the benefits of operating with a firm that can conduct themselves in that manner based on how we've been set up to to do that, to do our cat wrangling. (laughs) I love that. So when we're looking at the whole revenue strategy sales strategy, call it whatever you like. When we try to align that with the broader company goals, what are some of your recommendations or what have you done when it comes to collaborating with product development, for example, or finance? Like how have y'all been successful in that collaboration, especially given that you have a product that is super important to the success of your business? One of the ways that I think we've been able to be successful at maintaining that is to my earlier comment about trying to establish and then maintain your priorities. For as long as I've been here, we've prioritized the people portion of the business when there's competing interests and you need to default in one direction or the other. That has been embraced. And, you know, I guess it's like the the credit to the executive sponsors across all of the 
the different stakeholder entities between finance and product and sales and operations, you know, HR, they're all kind of advocates and carry that torch for us that when we come to a head where something has to get chosen to prevail out, uh, we'll make the decision to default back towards what's right for the team, which then probably has the next right for the client. And then if there is a sacrifice, it's usually for the financial interest of the firm, all on this longer term kind of North Star vision of you got to stand behind who you are and, and where you want it to be. I like to think that it's worked out well for us in the long run. You know, the I'm a big believer in this kind of pay it forward type concept and that things come back around and uh, it just doesn't feel like who we wanted to be or chose to be to prioritize like a financial outcome over something else that we thought just wouldn't be impactful for how we were trying to, you know, conduct the business for our people and then support our client partners. Okay. And so in terms of the future of RevOps in the healthcare industry, how do you think it will continue to evolve in the, in the upcoming years? Yeah, it's going to be wild. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's, it's only scratching the surface from what we've seen. There, there's a lot of partners that are trying to solve the problem that I think we, you know, through a little bit of creativity and hard work, got out on the forefront of by a little bit of luck and great advocacy from some of our early adopting client partners uh, are in a unique position to help solve people for because there's there's a lot of nuance into it. So it's, it's not going to go away. If anything, um, it's just going to continue to evolve. So the old way in which uh, the, the marketing effort to bring this direct to consumer out continues to change, the more we're going to see partners in the space, big and small, try and grapple with these problems that all have this kind of rev ops entanglement tied into them. And they're looking for help, right? They want, they want consultant advocacy, insight, example sharing. You know, we're, we're going to do our first ever patient centric summit later on this year uh, in the spring. We're bringing, I think it's almost 10 partners now in together. So we can start to share some of this journey. We can let them share amongst each other um, and continue to find a way to put ourselves at the center of this problem and then support the conversation, right? Some of it we can help and we can solve. Others, we're, we're providing a venue where they can help each other. And then, you know, our, our belief again is that that will come back around and that will, that will help our firm in the long run. And then what is one piece of advice that you would want anyone listening to today's episode to take away? There's a way that you can balance the financial component and goals that you have um, in any industry with the way in which you do it. Like that's been glaringly obvious to me in this specific patient-centric version of it. You know, maybe earlier on in my career, you know, I, I could see kind of the tunnel focus on the financial outcome that is very firm oriented, right? Everybody wants to make money. Everybody has growth goals and you, you can kind of get lost in that shuffle. Uh, and I don't know that that always lends itself if it becomes your primary focus towards the way in which you conduct the work. And that has obviously implications for your team members that are part of the process. Uh, and then in our world, specifically the client component 
and how it's caring for their patient population, their customer population. Uh, you can do both. Like, absolutely. I believe it now more than ever. Um, it does take a little bit of work in this whole RevOps mindset to ensure that you have leadership and resources that can pull together kind of the ecosystem of tools, support, talent, education, coaching, development, all along the way is crucial to making sure that that's the outcome that you're going to get. That's great. Well, thank you so much, AJ, for being on the show. If people have any other questions or want to continue the conversation, where can they find you? Salelytics.com. That's our website. Reach out to our team direct from there. Otherwise, check out our LinkedIn page and you can connect with us there as well. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show. 